Hi, I'm Don Mackey, welcome to the Pathways to Rural Prosperity podcast. This show is focused on providing strategies to empower community success and vitality. Each episode will feature interviews with cutting-edge rural development thought leaders and community practitioners, remarkable entrepreneurs from business, government, and nonprofits, and by sharing the learnings of E2 entrepreneurial ecosystems. Connect with me, learn more about E2, and subscribe to this show at energizingentrepreneurs.org. Welcome to this episode of Pathways to Rural Prosperity. My name is Don Mackey, and I'm with E2 Entrepreneurial Ecosystems, hosted by Network Kansas, and I'll be your host today for today's podcast. KC, I want to welcome you to my podcast. Good to be here, Don. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, and I'm not going to do much of an introduction because we're going to ask Casey right off the bat to share a little bit of his history and story and some of his interests. But just, you know, by way of introduction, Casey and I are working together with what's called E3 Entrepreneurial Ecosystems or Energizing Entrepreneurial Ecosystems. And Casey is with the Nebraska Community Foundation. So as we get started, would you be willing to kind of share your journey that has brought you to this day and the work that you're currently doing? It's kind of a rich story. (laughs) It's a story. It's a story. Sure, Don, thanks. And, And again, thanks again for the opportunity to talk about this work. It is something that I care about as a result of that journey, I think is is probably fair. So I've had three careers over the course of my professional life, which have certainly led one to the other. And I think there are some common themes along that journey. So I started in radio right out of, well, actually in in high school, but right out of college and, and did that for a decade, give or take, and then worked at the local chamber of commerce in Columbus, Nebraska for 18 years. And then Nebraska Community Foundation for the last three plus. And, and I think the journey definitely ties together there in that all three of those were really very much about developing communities within the context of each one of those specific industries. You know, in a local radio station, you're 100% dependent on the health of the local business community, the local economy. Chamber of Commerce, you're 100% dependent upon the the health of your membership base, so the local business community. And Nebraska Community Foundation, it's the same story. Our, Our work is dependent upon healthy communities, inspiring people to give back philanthropically. And so it's been very much one journey within those three different industries. But the work that I do day to day today compared to being the general manager at the radio station is really very, very similar. And yeah, it's what I love after all these years. Has Nebraska always been your home? Yes, I grew up in Columbus, just went away to Missouri for college and came back and have been been there ever since. You know, the, the longer you're in a place, the more relationships get built, et cetera, the harder it is to imagine leaving. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think it's also fair to say that you have, with that radio voice, a bit of a reputation as a go-to master of ceremonies, just thinking about one of the uh, big gatherings with the Nebraska Community Foundation that happens every year, and you emcee those, and you do a marvelous job. Yeah, thank you. So I forgot I was going to use this opportunity to ask a quick question. I should know this, but I don't. What does KC stand for? No, 
<laughs> yes. Well, that goes back to the radio days. So it stands for Carrie Charles. And, you know, Carrie was not an air, an air name that, that worked very well because in hearing it, people always assumed it was Terry or Barry or Gary or something. And so my manager at the time, when I was just starting working overnights, weekends, decided that we had to do something different. So we went with the initials. And by the time I, I left the radio station, I'd, I'd been using that too long, really, to make any sense out of changing it back when I went to the chamber. So here we are. <laughs> Well, that's good. And thanks for sharing that a little bit. Uh, <laughs> yes, first of all, I figured there was a story behind it. And so that's neat. Well, let's talk a little bit about E3. But before we do that, about the Nebraska Community Foundation. Now, I've always made the case across the country that NCF is best in class in its work with rural communities across Nebraska. But share with our listeners, Casey, a little bit about the history of the Nebraska Community Foundation and how it does its work. Well, it seems a little foolish for me to share that on your podcast because you've been part of this history for far longer than I have, but I'll give it a shot. You can correct what's wrong. NCF was born a little more than a quarter century ago out of an effort that began in state government, but is not government now. It's a private charitable organization to really change the future of rural Nebraska. And, you know, the arc in rural places, rural Nebraska among them, has not been very positive for for decades and decades in terms of population growth and other, you know, of those macro trends, I would submit it's been very positive in lots of other ways. But, you know, in terms of some of those statistical or demographic things that people look at, yeah, the trend has not been going in the right direction until recently. So I think NCF was was uh, created and designed to allow Nebraska hometowns to do things that they didn't think they could do. And if I were gonna, if I were going to summarize all of it in in one thing, I think what NCF has done for rural Nebraska is allow communities to change their narrative. They just believe they can do things that they didn't believe they could do 20 years ago. And as a result of the belief, they are doing those things. They are building particularly unrestricted endowments, so permanent funds uh, that they can then use the payout from year after year in perpetuity to do community projects, initiatives, community things that really change the future of that place very much in a developmental way as opposed to an emergency relief way. And that's an important distinction. This is community development work. and. And it's working, I guess, is, is the short answer. It's working. The amount of money that has been endowed for Nebraska hometowns through NCF has doubled or a little more in the last 10 years alone. You know, those success stories are breeding other success stories. And Nebraskans are investing in their hometowns in a way that, that they never have before. And that is empowering communities, community leaders, volunteer leaders, to, again, change the narrative about what's possible. So we're doing community work, community development work with philanthropy as a tool. Well, one of the things that I always remember you and Jeff, Jeff Yost, the president of the Nebraska Community Foundation, use the term abundance. And I remember a meeting in Red Cloud, a community of about less than a thousand people, happens to be Jeff Yost's hometown, 
home to Willa Cather, the Nebraska author that many people around the world are familiar with. And they had just finished that massive $20 million renovation of the Moon Block, where the Opera House is and the Cather Center is. And Jeff and I were going down there and we were having a meeting with the leaders around getting ready to start the Garber Hotel. And I was sharing with Jeff in the car, I go, this community's tapped out. There is no more money. There is no more energy. (laughs) And he gives his little speech on abundance. And lo and behold, they're getting really close to raising the money to redo that part of the downtown and to build that boutique hotel, the Garber Hotel. And so it just speaks to your point. When people believe they can, they're more likely to actually do it. And so that's so true. Yep, that's right. Well, let's pivot to E3. Again, for our listeners, that stands for Energizing Entrepreneurial Ecosystems. And Casey, you've been on the ground floor of this initiative. And with your chamber work, you have worked with entrepreneurs in Columbus and probably talked to entrepreneurs from all over the state through the the state chamber work that you've done. But I'd be curious... Why, given all the things you can do at NCF, all the things you can personally be engaged in, why is E3 so important to you? Yeah, that's a great question, Don. So I think the answer of why it's important really does kind of go back to that first question about my my developmental journey. I think it's reflective or the experiences I've had are reflective of a larger journey that that community development and economic development have gone through as well. And I think that journey is the answer to the question, why is this so important? So for those who are not familiar with Columbus, you know, Columbus, Nebraska would be, from a small town perspective, the poster child for the traditional model of economic development. So in Nebraska, that meant for decades and decades, since, since really the 1930s, economic developers would sell cheap land, cheap labor, cheap power, And they would recruit employers to move in, primarily manufacturing employers to move into the state from somewhere else and set up shop. And it it worked so extraordinarily well for Columbus for all of those decades. Columbus was and is the most industrialized city per capita in this region of the Federal Reserve. About 6,000 manufacturing jobs, give or take, in a town of 23,000. I mean, just extraordinary success. And some of that was homegrown. A lot of it was recruited in that traditional economic development model. But certainly what we saw as a community in the last decade is that that, that model is, is changing and is evolving in a way that is really pretty significant, I think. And economic developers as a profession, economic development as a, as a practice, I would submit is dramatically different than it was a decade ago, or at least it should be, because that, that model, a lot of the assumptions in that model no longer apply. We don't have the cheapest labor or land or power because we are, for the first time ever, truly in a global economy. And we don't compete as well in that economy as we did 20, 30, 60 years ago. We, we, we don't. Things have changed. And, and so it just wasn't effective. There weren't as many prospects walking in the door. They didn't want to be wine to dine, all of that. So, so economic development has, has really fundamentally shifted. And it has become about... Well, first and foremost, it's become about people and anyone who employs anyone today understands what I mean by that. You can attract the people, you'll attract the jobs. That's a completely black and white difference from what it has always been, attract the jobs to attract the people. So that's the first fundamental reason that this is something that 
that I, I believe all of us should be passionate about. The second aspect of that is the notion of having local control over, over your community's assets. So in this case, we're talking about you know, business assets, wealth creation, employers, et cetera. And there's just, I don't believe you can make an argument that there is not an advantage to having locally controlled wealth creators who are in those, in those positions in your community. That is taking nothing away from the extraordinary employers all across Nebraska and other places who, who have been recruited there from somewhere else and provide jobs. And I absolutely in, in no way is that meant to, to slight any of them or to not value the contributions they make. No question. Columbus would not be the same as it is without those. But the reality is when you are, when you live there, when the ownership of the company lives there, when you grew up there maybe, and you started your company, you grew it in a place, whatever, there's just a different level of, of emotional investment in that place by those, by those entities. And from a community perspective, that, that does matter. And so the idea of growing our own to whatever extent we can just makes so much sense as a community development strategy. And so you put those two things together, the, the just the black and white reality of what economic development is today and, and what it's going to require, and the advantage to a local community of having locally controlled business assets, it really, I think, spells out a pretty compelling case to evolve our approach in this case as a state to economic development to one that raises the priority of creating an ecosystem where entrepreneurs can thrive. Within E3 KC, there are six partner communities, but the vision is that those six communities will recruit other communities in their area and that'll become 36 communities. And if E3 can prove up and actually generate community economic development impacts, this could become a statewide movement. Tell our listeners a little bit about these six communities, because in so many ways, they kind of capture the range of a lot of rural communities in the Cornhusker state. Right. Yeah, we believe they do. And they were intentionally chosen for that reason. So the six who are in the core cohort, let's call it, of, of the E3 project, are uh, Holt County, Valley County, Sydney, McCook, Red Cloud, and Keith County. So for those who are not familiar with county names as much, Keith County is Ogallala, Holt County is, is Atkinson, O'Neill, Stewart, et cetera, and Valley County is, is Ord. So we were very intentional about the six that, that we asked to be part of this experiment with us. Valley County was first, and Valley County is not only one of the six, but also a partner in the project because they, as certainly, Don, you know better than almost anyone else anywhere, Valley County is the, the poster child, or at least has been, let's call it, the poster child for what this could become. They have actually built an entrepreneurial ecosystem over a couple decades that, that functions at a level that is, in my experience anyway, truly unique something we tried to do in Columbus my entire time in the chamber. We just never got there. And, and they really did because they put all of the pieces together. And that's, that's the magic. And so we wanted them to not only be part of the, the learning journey alongside us as one of the communities, but also to share that 
with the others in the core cohort and, and then those others as we grow it out. And to their credit, Valley County said, you know, we're not done growing either. And so we will learn some things from these other five. Holt County is a countywide economic development organization. So we particularly chose them because of that particular aspect where they have several communities who have their own economic development engines. They have their own you know, municipal interests, et cetera, but they're doing the work together as a county to really a great extent. And so we wanted to see how the model would work in that environment where it's, where it's a county of several communities who are working together, working independently, and, and how does it all come together? And they also just have a, a rich history of economic development through that countywide organization of doing this type of work, uh, doing people attraction, doing entrepreneurships, support, et cetera. Sydney is, I think anyone who's familiar with the story of Sydney and Cabela's understands how unique their experience has been in economic terms. And, and in fact, as you look at the history of Sydney, not just because of Cabela's, they've been very much a, a boom and bust community in, in terms of their economic realities over time. And I mean, obviously, Cabela's is the most recent, probably the most dramatic, the kind of experience that a small community, I mean, almost never has. I mean, a truly unique experience to have a, a locally grown company grow to that extent and then have things change. And so what an interesting journey they can share with the other communities in the cohort from an entrepreneurial perspective. What's the legacy that Cabela's experience there is leaving for Sydney in terms of entrepreneurship? How do we build the ecosystem that survives and thrives there? McCook is you know, in Southwest Nebraska, kind of out on its own, really the economic hub for that region. Very rich history of entrepreneurship, Sainert's Bakery and many others. So a really rich history in this space and really just a can-do sort of approach to almost everything in McCook and a strong part of the NCF network. And so they, they're going to provide us the experience from the perspective of really being that regional hub without another regional hub within an hour, probably. Red Cloud, and you mentioned earlier Red Cloud, um, they're interesting because of that, that tourism perspective on economic development there and economic, de uh, economic energy, let's call it. And so they're going to provide us a unique picture into how does, how does sort of a non-traditional approach to economic development, at least in Nebraska, you don't see many where, where tourism and the arts are, are quite the focus they are in Red Cloud. How does that play out for an entrepreneur ecosystem? And then Keith County is somewhat similar in that, that they have really extraordinary assets from an economic development perspective, being on the interstate, being right next to Lake McConaughey and all of that, all that that brings. They really have a, a unique set of assets that are not duplicated very many places in Nebraska for sure. And a, a very strong affiliated fund of Nebraska Community Foundation. They have significant philanthropic assets available to them. So they, they have a really unique set of, of assets and how do we use those assets in an entrepreneurial way? It isn't maybe something they've done as much of as other places. And so, again, all six really brought a, a unique flavor to this cohort and were intentionally put together to learn from each other, learn from each other's strengths and weaknesses and help each other on the journey to grow that ecosystem that 
that will do for them what it has done for Valley County and Ord in the last decades. One of the things that the Nebraska Community Foundation has done really well is utilizing peer learning. And I think about how you've used peer learning to really motivate, educate, drive energy around community philanthropy. And within E3, there's a peer learning component. And you kind of alluded to that with the six communities, but there's some design elements. The communities get together every six months, each community is hosting. Talk a little bit of why you believe that peer learning can be so important in helping communities build vision, become aggressive, and to achieve success. I think there's two aspects to that. First off, the you know, the sort of fundamental peer learning aspect, and then maybe a larger sort of narrative issue as well. So, you know, starting with the the basic or the fundamental there, I think, you know, first of all, peer learning is just an effective way for adults to learn. We, we as adults just hear things differently from someone who looks like they're in our shoes, as opposed to someone who is being brought in from the outside as an expert or a teacher, you know. We, we just hear those messages differently. We do. And so to hear from someone, I was where you are. I am where you are. I've had success doing this. It just brings some legitimacy to that message. So we just think peer learning is an effective way for adults to learn first and foremost. So that's a part of it. And then the, the larger picture, I think, is also that for far too long in rural places, we have waited for someone to come save us. And typically that was the government. Typically we were going to wait for someone from Lincoln or Washington to come in with a grant program or some other program and the, or the university was going to bring us some expertise, whatever it was. We just for decades have waited for someone to come and save us. And the reality is the people who were supposed to save us were here all the time because it was us. And I think the peer learning thing goes into that as well that we look across the table at this person from Holt County or Sydney or wherever, and we say, well, yeah, you're, you're right where we are. And you have answers that we can use and vice versa. And so we don't have to wait for anybody else. We have wisdom in the room. We have wisdom and resources in all of our communities. We have assets in all of our communities. And so I think that goes to that idea of changing the narrative. We don't have to wait for someone from a big city to save us. We don't have to wait for people with credentials to save us. We, we can do this ourselves. And not only can we do it ourselves for ourselves, we can share with our neighbors and share with our peers. And man, is that empowering when you feel like you have something that you can teach that's of value to, to the neighbor down the street or across the state. In this case, it just empowers people to go do things they didn't think they could do. So just as a learning tool, but also within a, a larger context where we believe in the power of peer learning, that's for sure. And there's so much evidence of that already with just two convenings, the networking, the learning, the inspiration. I mean, it's really fun. It is powerful. It takes time. People have to give a couple of days of their life every six months to do this. But those relationships are now really beginning to pay some dividend. So as I said, this goes really fast and I've got one more question and then we're going to wrap up. But there's a big vision with E3. 
that this could really transform economic development in rural Nebraska going into the future. You alluded to some aspects of that, but just recap for us, what's the plan to take this from six really neat communities to potentially a statewide movement? Absolutely. That is the vision here, that these six over a three-year experience together, learn some things, build some success, help each other but then talk to their neighbors, as you alluded to earlier. And so we grow this cohort of of what we would call entrepreneurial communities into a larger group that then will be connected to other existing entrepreneurship programs, initiatives, projects, because there are lots of them in Nebraska. We have no shortage, actually, of entrepreneurial projects and initiatives and people who care about it. They just haven't been particularly well-coordinated. So hopefully this is a catalyst to coordinate all of the existing entrepreneurship support systems and build enough critical mass to have a state level conversation, not not necessarily only about state government, but state level conversation to evolve our approach to economic development as a state. And I use the word evolve intentionally. We're not going to change. We're not going to abandon. We're not going to throw out. It's just an evolution to to rebalance maybe some of the priorities just as one, for instance, you know, maybe you do put some state dollars into entrepreneurial incentives that are currently going to recruitment incentives for an out-of-state company. Just an example, certainly not the only example, but just shifting the focus, evolving the focus a little bit will, I think, have pretty dramatic impact, not only because of the successes it will have, but also changing the practice of the profession of economic development in Nebraska. Because if you, you know, if you look at, well, here's what the Nebraska Department of Economic Development offers as incentives and programs, you think, well, okay, that's what I should be doing if I'm a local economic developer. And maybe you don't even think about entrepreneurship as a strategy that that may work. So if we can change that conversation a little bit, it will not only provide some success, and we firmly believe it will, but it will also, we hope, evolve the thinking in economic development in a way that that lifts entrepreneurship a little higher. And goodness knows we have plenty of Nebraska success stories, pretty extraordinary success stories, as a matter of fact. But if we can build a few more and build a few more local in small towns all across the state, it could really change the approach of that economic development community in some really powerful ways for Nebraska's future. Well, and you've got some examples of remarkable entrepreneurial success stories out of Columbus, Allo, Nelnet. I mean, there's so many, and it just speaks to what's possible when this occurs. Well, Casey, thank you for sharing a little bit about your journey, the Nebraska Community Foundation, and this exciting new initiative, E3. Thanks for being my guest today. It's always a pleasure, Don. Always appreciate spending the time with you and always happy to share the story of what small towns in Nebraska can do together. And and man, it's fun to be a part of seeing that success happen. So thanks for the opportunity to tell a little bit of that story. Well, we appreciate what you do and we're glad you're part of this team. So thank you. So as we wrap up, my friends, I want to just remind you of a few resources 
First of all, remember energizingentrepreneurs.org. That's your go-to resource to get access to all of the tools that we have that can help your rural community grow and become more successful through entrepreneurship. There's information on our National Practitioners Network that can get you additional resources at no cost. Of course, you can sign up for our monthly newsletter and you can connect to all of the episodes of Pathways to Rural Prosperity. For this podcast today, we're going to be sharing some additional information about E3, Energizing Entrepreneurial Ecosystems, about the Nebraska Community Foundation, and also some information about regional development. The Nebraska Community Foundation is one of a number of organizations across the country that is really proving to be powerful in helping rural communities succeed. So, Casey, thanks for being my guest. And to all of you who are out there doing your work in rural America, stay at it, keep going, and take time to learn from your neighbors. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Pathways to Rural Prosperity podcast. Head on over to energizingentrepreneurs.org where you can subscribe to this podcast and tap into more than 25 years of field experience from E2 Entrepreneurial Ecosystems. I'm Don Mackey, and I'll see you next time on Pathways to Rural Prosperity podcast. Mm-hmm.